I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's no secret that alcohol and drugs permeate the electronic music industry. It's almost glamorized and equally is damaging to our mental and physical health. Many people feel like they can't even enjoy a night out without things getting messy. But of course, that doesn't have to be the case. The pandemic hit our industry hard, with people losing jobs and work. And according to DrinkAware, nearly half of adults in the UK going through job loss are drinking more than they would have done before the pandemic. Like many of us, I found myself drinking a lot more to numb the boredom of lockdowns, having no outlets for fun and as a way to escape. And now I'm looking at my diary for later on in this year and things are looking really busy and filling up with DJ gigs. And sometimes there's multiple gigs in one night across the weekend and I'm worried about how much alcohol there'll be around me, feeling the pressure to drink and how I manage to stay healthy while doing my job. On today's episode, I'm joined by one of dance music's most colourful characters, Fat Tony, Harvey from rising euphoric house duo Prosper, and the genre-fluid creator and sound alchemist Tim Ante to discuss their journeys with sobriety. Please be aware before you listen to this episode that it contains themes of addiction and it features conversations about mental health and self-harm. It was so insightful to share a room with these three people and they were extremely open about their experiences. I hope you find it inspiring. Thank you everyone for joining. Firstly, I'd love for each of you to share your own experience with sobriety. Is everyone completely sober at the table? Can you tell us your journey and what it's been like for you? Because I know it's been different for each of you all at different stages in your career and in your journey with sobriety. Tony, should we start with you? I'm 15 years, coming up to 15 years, clean and sober and used drugs and abused drugs for 28 years. And, you know, in the last 15 years, I've rediscovered who I am. I've rediscovered the love for music. I've opened rehabs. I've just recently written a book, which comes out next year. Um, you know, it's very well documented, my addiction. We did the Mixed Mag film last year, which has been seen by over 6 million people now, wow. which is like mind-blowing in itself. 6 million people have seen my story. So it kind of makes you a little bit vulnerable on different areas of stuff. But, you know, it's my story and people relate to it because it's really honest. And I just think for me today, being clean and sober is the best thing in the world. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. And we'll go a bit deeper in a sec, yeah, but I'll, I'll get to Tamanti next. Hello. Hi. Uh, hi. <laughs> thanks for having me and uh, nice to meet you all. Mm. So my journey's a little bit different. So I want to be like completely transparent. So I started DJing when I was 16 and obviously was drinking, 
going out all the time and would get free drinks. And then I would remember DJing, but not how I got home. So I started to notice that that was actually quite dangerous. Mm. So then I started to think maybe I should just drive to the gigs and I'll save money and also, you know, remember what happened, how I got home. So then I got really nervous because obviously it was like, oh my God, how do I DJ to people that are drinking? And it really pushed me. I learned a lot about myself being sober at the events. And then I started to think, oh, if I can DJ at events sober, then surely I can go to them sober. And then I started to notice there was a lot of people in pain at the events because they were like abusing alcohol and drugs. And it started to become like a mission for me to like actually use my music to try and like help heal them in some way. So then it started this whole journey. And also I discovered that if I didn't enjoy being out sober, then I was probably at the wrong party. And the reason I got Mm -hmm. into music in the first place was because of music and the alcohol and the drugs was kind of like a side part. But I've also noticed a lot of people, they actually hone in on the alcohol and the drugs rather than the music. Mm. And it, comes this like culture so it's been really interesting I've played a lot of sober events Uh, I started playing at this one called Morning Gloryville like a couple of years ago when it started it was a a 6am on a Wednesday rave can I just say I've been to that and I loved it yeah so good (laughs) so obviously the first time I went there at 6am I like I remember just opening the door and like got hit by this wave of heat and I just was like and everyone was going crazy like more crazy than I've ever seen in any party and I was like, I had to close the door and walk back out. And I pinched myself because I was like, is that real? Or is that like, is this, like, am I still asleep? Because mm. I couldn't believe my eyes. And then obviously I went in and like, basically everyone was just losing themselves in the music. And it just kind of started this whole chain reaction of like actually being sober. But I, I'm not completely sober. So like I was saying to Jaguar, sometimes I'll have like a beer with my mates when I eat dinner mm. but like usually when i'm dj and i'm literally completely clean so yeah that's well done nice. you're very lucky that you can have a beer with your mates and not want more that doesn't work for me that way it's all <laughs> or nothing one is too many and a thousand is never enough <laughs> God, yeah and harvey yeah so uh us. i grew up in leeds i started drinking and like smoking weed from quite young i was yeah early teens when i started drinking and smoking weed and Obviously, like, we were going to loads of parties and all that sort of stuff. And as I started to get older, you know, the drinking became more and more and more. And, yeah, it just it just, it just takes over, you know. And, like, I felt so much pressure, you know, whilst I was making music because I've been doing music my whole life. And I felt just so much, like, pressure. And I feel like the, the drink and smoking weed and all that sort of stuff, I was just doing it to suppress my uh, insecurities mm-hmm. or you know, all this sort of pressure that I was putting on myself. Like, it was unbelievable the amount of pressure I would put on myself in terms of, like, my musical ability. It was just very self-destructive. I, I smoked weed so, so much. Like, that was kind of the main thing. I just smoked way too much weed, and it, it, it kind of got to a point where I remember I was living in a house with, like, five people in London. My friends from Leeds, we all moved here. And I think I was, like, 18 or 19 at the time. And my memory just started becoming really bad and I would wake up and go downstairs to have breakfast then come back upstairs and wouldn't be able to actually remember whether I'd had breakfast or not. Mm -hmm. And then I'd go back downstairs forgetting that I'd had breakfast 
have breakfast. And I remember my friend that I was living with was like, oh, you're having breakfast twice. I remember just being there like, what the hell? Like, I'm literally mm. 19 years old and I'm uh, losing my memory already. And I was like, this has got to stop. And yeah, I mean, it was that on top of just drinking loads, going out loads. You know, it's like university culture. But as well, you know, I grew up in Leeds where we were just partying all the time, going to these mad raves. And it was sick. Like, it's it kind of always is amazing at the start. And then as it, like, progresses, I don't know, I just kind of started to feel, like, ashamed of myself to mm-hmm. an extent. And, yeah, I just I just felt like what I was doing just wasn't right. And it came to a point where I was 19 and... I'd had like a super heavy weekend, like a super heavy weekend. And then I came home and I think it was like the Sunday or the Monday. And I just had this like mad breakdown and I'd had all these like quite serious, like mental health issues that I just never really told anyone about or like had been like trying to hide for, you know, a long time. And then, yeah, mate, I was just fucked. I was just, I was just mad. I, I went to the, I had this crazy breakdown. I was, I was in hospital. It was just, and then, then, and literally since that night, I've not touched a drop of alcohol, not touched like anything at all. And and it was kind of that point where I'd been wanting to stop for ages, and I just got to such a low point, and I was like, nothing could possibly be worse than this. And I felt like, in a sense, giving up alcohol and all these other things and becoming sober actually felt easy compared to the struggle that that had endured. If you get me. And it was never like a addiction thing. For, I, I mean, I, maybe it was, but <laughs> maybe it was and I didn't know, but it never felt like an addiction. And that's kind of the scary thing. You probably don't know when you're addicted. But yeah, after that, I just, I've been sober and that was, yeah, I was 19. So that's four years ago now. Well done. 23 years. Thank you. Wow. Thank I mean, you. all of you, like, I just want to say thank you for sharing your stories. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, and it. Tony, for you, who's been sober for 15 years now nearly. How does it feel kind of interacting with, with these two who are well, on their earlier part of their journey? Do you know, I, I, for me, it, it, it's a normal thing because mm. I do this on a daily basis. So apart from my career as a DJ, I work one-on-one with people, I help people. I'm in a 12-step programme. So for me, listening to someone like Tamanti or a Harvey's story is a daily occurrence. I am very open and very honest about where I come from and how I got clean and, and what keeps me clean. So I do a lot of interviews and a lot of talks about stuff and people message me saying, oh, my son's got this problem or that. And I'll, I, I answer every DM, every DM. Wow. Because you know what? That takes a lot of, lot of power and a lot of, mm. a lot of guts to message someone and say, hey, I've yeah. got a problem, as we all yeah. know, right? The biggest thing we can ever do is open our mouths because as soon as the day that we say, hey, I've got a problem, the change comes. Yeah. So, you know, I deal with it. And I, but, you know... It never gets easier listening to someone's story, ever. Mm. And, you know, and I never think, oh, well, you weren't an addict or you didn't have a problem. I think with you, Harvey, you're very lucky in the sense that you could stop, yeah. you know, like that. Yeah. And the same with you, Tamante. The fact that you chose to stop is, is, yeah. is America. I think if you'd left it a little bit longer, you wouldn't have had a choice. Yeah, exactly. And that's, how it, that's absolutely how it felt. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, don't ever underestimate it. It definitely would have been addiction. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. because I agree with that. 
there's so many for just because you're not sitting on a park bench drinking special mm. brew or anything like that does not mean you're not an alcoholic. So true. You know, there's so many different levels to it. And when you, you're so blessed, the pair of you, trust me, to catch it at such a stage and see it for what it is. Mm. For me, that wasn't my journey. For me, I couldn't stop. I never could stop. All my family are alcoholics and addictions rife in all of us. Yeah. It's in my wiring. It's in my DNA. Yeah. Uh, so I don't have a stop button. I've never had a stop button. I still don't have a stop button. I just work my life differently today so that I don't ever pick up that stuff. Because my life's too amazing to have a drink brought into Because I know if I have a drink, that's it. It's game over. But, you know, but saying that, if I have sushi on a Monday and it's really good, I'll have it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. (laughs) If I buy one pair of shoes and I really like them in one colour, I'll have them in six colours. Yeah, and they won't ever come out of the boxes. Speaking my language. Man. You know that? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. how addicts, that's how you know yeah, yeah. that we're, you know, my grandmother, she gets prescribed sleeping pills, right, by the doctor, and he gives her a month's worth of sleeping pills. She takes one every night. She'll become dependent on them. Yeah. She won't become addicted to them. Mm. She will depend on them to sleep. Mm. Now, if my doctor gives me a prescription of 30 sleeping pills, I'll do the lot in three days. Mm. That's the difference between me being an addict and my grandmother. So I the see. dependency there. But, you know, when we get into recovery, we kind of always look at other people and think, okay, he's got a problem. Or that one's got a problem. Do you know what I mean? And, and I, I see it all the time and I, and I read it in people and I because I identify. You know, it takes one to know one. Mm, it yeah. really does yep. and you see people with their behaviours and you just think okay I, I, I mean my nephews I look at them and I just think that one's the addict oh, God. and I say to my brother that one's going to grow up like that and he's like yeah and then they, they grow up and they're the one with the problems do you right. get what I mean because you identify mm. it mm. It's just, you know it's, it's a blessing knowing that you're an addict yeah. yeah, and I think admitting it as well like, oh, as you said that's... so brave are you both so brave yeah God, the bravery in this room. I'm feeling it here right now. How old are you, Tamendi? I'm 33. Get out of here. Yeah. You look about 17, 18. <laughs> what the hell? Because I don't drink or do drugs. There you go. Yeah. Testament, right? <laughs> Testament. You know what I mean? I'm 55 and I look 55. That's because I don't drink or take drugs. <laughs> and Harvey, you're 23, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing. How old are you? 26. So yeah. I'm the second oldest. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I want to dive into some meaty questions about the music industry as well. Yeah. You know, we're all DJs. You guys make music as well, some of you. And there's no secret that our industry is just rife with drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like kind of how you'd have a coffee machine in an office. There's totally. a bottle of whatever next to the decks when you go to play. And, and that is just how it's always been. And that is how it is. You know, a lot of the time you can get paid for a gig if you're starting out especially in alcohol it's used yeah. as a currency yeah. Yeah. of course and there's a lot of pressure to take drugs and DJ because it's there do you, yeah. what do you guys think on that? it's really interesting that actually because I do wonder if there ever will be a change in the sort of behaviour promoters or festivals or venues uh, run things and you know when it comes to like riders and stuff like that mm. you know I think mean- the change starts with you, Harvey. Yeah, mate. The change starts with everyone in this yeah. room because you're the one that says what you want on your rider. Yeah, yeah. Back in the eighties, I used to do New York. I used to do the Palladium, and it was on cocaine was on my rider. Fucking hell! I used to have thing. to have an eight ball. An eight ball was on my rider, yeah. and I would go to, to New York every other week to play. And I, when I would get off the plane, I would go. They would pick me up in the car, and they would give me the eight ball. Mm. Wow! Because I and then it got to the stage where I wouldn't travel 
if I couldn't get the, the drugs that I wanted. I remember going to Hong Kong once and there was no cocaine in Hong Kong. There was a drought in Hong Kong. And I ended up doing ease for three days and I burnt down the hotel room and ended up in hospital. Like literally, because wow. I just, because I wasn't used to doing that amount of other drugs. You know, I had my drug of choice. And then when you suddenly think, oh, I can take three of them, four of them, I'm used to taking them. And then of course, you know, I ended up in a really bad place in the hospital covered in iodine because I burnt the hotel room down but you know that was always on the rider and if I couldn't get what I wanted I didn't travel mm. I'd go to the airport and I'd think no you know what I'm going to go back to the dealer's house and I'd leave and then people stop booking you mm. yeah it's, it's interesting as well because I find when I drink in my set it's normally because I'm nervous at the beginning I don't know yeah. Tamanti yeah. if you've mm. experienced that as well mm. I used to do that as well and I still get nervous like no matter how I think I've done 16 years worth of DJing and I still get wow. The same amount of nerves as of I course. Yeah, it never goes. I, it does never it? goes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So That's what, a blessing. What I yeah, try man. and do now is um, I'm always like, you know, before people like pre drink and stuff, I've never really been into that. I always like sort of stay by myself before okay. and sort of like stay like in a, like, a meditative state and like to go to the venue like an hour before my set and just like feel into the room and like learn about how the crowd like move and stuff like that. Mm. And so, like, when I feel like I'm, I'm settled in the space, my nerves calm down a little bit. Because mm-hmm. if you, like, turn up to your gig and you're like... Oh. You're walking blind. And you're like, yeah. oh, I've, different got, thing. I've you, got five minutes to jump on. The and worst then, thing Christ. in the world, because you've got to read yeah. the room. It's yeah. about, yeah. as a DJ, it's, it's, it's really refreshing to hear you say that because it's about reading and feeling the room. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about playing tracks. Mm-hmm. It's not about sitting at home letting me sort out my... Uh, set list. My set list yeah. and play from that. So that that's not DJing. You are a selector. You're selecting tracks and putting them on. The DJ is to go there and feel what the room is saying and to play to that room. Forgetting about, okay, well, this might be this old or that might be... It's about taking that room on a journey and it's about that feeling that you get. And the fact that you do that is is great. It's really refreshing to hear because a lot of people don't do that. Mm. A lot of, you know, certain... We're not going to say names and stuff. So a lot of DJs and people that think they're a DJ, you know, yeah. that have crossed over from another another industry mm-hmm. and that suddenly decide to play tracks mm-hmm. because that industry isn't working for them anymore. It makes me laugh when they say they're DJs because they're not, you're not DJing. You don't, you're not reading a room. You're playing what you think you should be playing. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get the magic from that. Mm. Yeah, love that. I wanted to ask... When you are DJing, and so Tamanta, you touched on it, like being you like to get in the zone and, and you know, know what you're walking into. Mm. So you won't need to go pick up a massive bottle of whatever and just down it. <laughs> Harvey, when you're DJing, because um, I know you DJ as a pair with Gosha, I know mm. Gosha drinks. And, you know, when you're DJing as well, there's people around you that are all drinking either behind the booth or in the crowd. What do you like to do to kind of keep yourself feeling the best you can Honestly, feel? Honestly, like being sober has just become so normal that I'm just fully cool with being around like everyone obviously drinking mm-hmm. like partying whatever like it's it's it, it doesn't actually really it doesn't affect me at all mm-hmm. like I, I feel I, I get a bit nervous obviously before I go on but there's just no temptation there whatsoever I feel like alcohol to me is just a bit grim like it just brings horrible memories do you know what I mean and it's not like Whenever everyone else is drinking, I'm I'm fine with it. I think it's fun. You know what I mean. I I like it when people are uh, having fun. You know what I'm saying. Obviously, there gets a point in the night. You know, we're talking about the st- the start right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. But there can get a point in the night. You know what it's like when everyone's like seriously mash up, <laughs> and like the thing that I don't like is just when people are like 
talking to me and spitting in my face. That's the one thing that actually frustrates yeah. me. Like having a horrible conversation that you can't get out of when someone's spitting in your face. Because I'm always like prang thinking, oh, is this spit got like coke in or like some sort of drugs? Or, do you know what I mean? Your, it's your, going in your eyes and it's starting to sting. That's God's alarm to tell you to leave. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. It really is. That's the point, exactly. the cutoff point. When you, someone starts to repeat themselves, you just think, okay, I'm going now. Yeah, exactly. And that's the beauty of what we do in this room right now. That's the beauty of being in re, either in recovery recovery or in sobriety the fact that we get the choice of when yeah. to leave yeah yeah i love that and very true tony during your sets like again if you look at people drinking and how how that makes you feel or what what do you like to do just to I, so i i won't drink i don't drink coffee i don't drink any stimulant at all because mm. that will give me anxiety before a gig and and you know the fact that we all get nervous before a gig is a is a blessing from God because you know what if we don't get those nerves we become complacent and the yeah. minute we become complacent we're over yeah do you know what I mean I it's, it's yeah, not yeah. a good thing so for me I don't have a problem with people drinking and I certainly don't have a problem with people doing drugs I have a problem with people abusing drink yeah, and abusing yeah. drugs around me you know it's my choice to be in that environment so I don't go there like Bible bashing and shouting at people you shouldn't be doing this I have a problem with me doing that stuff yeah. I'm the problem everyone around me is not the problem and I have to remember that so I and you know what I can, I can really get high from just being around high people mm. but also I know how blessed I am that I'm not in their position I don't ever feel I'm missing out they're the ones missing out I'm in the moment. They're no. They're not in the moment. They're wondering where you're going next. Yeah. What's on after this? <laughs> they're not there to hear the music. They're like on their phone constantly. They're not in. No longer in the moment. And I'm in the moment. I'm there. Mm. I'm feeling it. And I. And there's no better high. And I always say this in every time I talk about it. Whatever drugs they're on, I'm on a better one. Music is the best drug mm. there is in this world. Mm. There's nothing better. Nothing will take you higher or take you on a better journey than listening and feeling music. Agreed. So for me, it's not an option. When you were saying earlier, I think before the mics were up, is like there's a difference between listening to music and then feeling the yeah, music. Yeah, it's totally, you know, Beautiful. just to be in, in, to allow the music to take over you and just thinking, oh my God, it just, life doesn't get better than this. Mm. People always go, oh, what's your earliest track you ever bought? And Crusaders, Street Life, right? First track I ever bought on 12 Inch. As soon as I hear the first three bars, all my hairs stand on end. I've just done it now, literally by talking about it. That's music. Whatever substance I shoved up my nose or in any other orifice for that matter, back in the day, could never give give me that. Very true. On that, like, Timanti, again, before this, uh, you were telling me about how you like to make music to heal people because mm. you mm. notice people on the dance floor were in pain mm. and like that kind of going alongside that power of music. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, that was so really interesting. I was actually, when you, were, when you were saying those stories, I was actually thinking there's been so many nights where I've actually just gone out by myself and I, it sound, people think I'm crazy, but sometimes I go to, to see a DJ that I want to see by myself yeah. just so I don't have to speak to anyone Yeah, and I literally get lost in the crowd and then people come up to me asking me for drugs because they think I'm the DJ <laughs> I'm literally like having you got that look I'm literally having the best time yeah, and like, I'm so lost in the music and smiling to myself with no one around me mm-hmm. so they're like what have you got? And I'm just like, go away. I don't want to talk. I just literally, it's happened like quite a few times. I don't speak to anyone. I just yeah, yeah. literally go in and like sit, find a little spot, get lost in the music. And I just remember like 
feeling like so high. The first time it happened was actually when I went to Fuse to see Nastia. And I just remember like seeing her play and it was like incredible. And I just left there feeling like, I swear there was something in the water I drank mm. because I was yeah. so high, but I was completely sober. That was like the first time that it really, mm. music really moved me. And that was really healing for me. So back to your question, sorry, I derailed a bit. No, but I love that. I studied like sound healing course a few years ago and just basically on my, I've been going on like a really like incredible spiritual journey and something that I picked up on when you were speaking, Harvey, about um, you don't get bothered about drunk people. And I think mm. that's because you, you know yourself yeah, probably yeah, yeah. more than most people. And mm. I think that's a, a gift that you really get from being sober. Yeah. And I think, obviously, then when you start to really know yourself, you start to want to explore more. And one of the things I've been exploring is sound healing and frequencies. And I actually listen to frequencies. So I'm working with this sound healer who listens to your voice and then analyzes it, puts it through a machine, Mm -hmm. and she can see where you're, like, lacking certain frequencies that are causing certain, like, mental issues. Or it's really, like, amazing, powerful stuff. I listen to, like sound frequencies for like two hours now uh, when I go to sleep and I've just noticed like my energy levels have been mm-hmm. increasing mm-hmm. and it's wow. insane so like what uh, what we were speaking before we started this podcast about gongs Gong bath, and yeah. Um, oh, yeah. they have the power to really shift a lot of stuff within you and bring up a lot of emotion so Amazing. since I've been studying like the sound healing frequencies I've started to use that a lot more in my music and um Obviously, like the different like four three two hertz, which uh, we're we're listening to a lot of music that's been tuned to like a sort of unnatural frequency, so it actually causes like disturbances mm. within our bodies because we're like ninety percent water. So the frequencies really affect what's going on inside us. So yeah, yeah. I think like I've started to notice a lot more that certain music I can't really be in around certain music for a long period of time if it's been made like really aggressive like like industrial techno yeah, i can yeah. only listen to it for a little for maybe half an hour to yeah, an yeah. hour and then i start to notice my body's like starts getting rigid yeah yeah because it feel it doesn't feel healing to me mm. it feels actually like quite abrasive yeah so i've actually it's quite start, challenging yeah, yeah, yeah so i've started to notice like organic instruments and that's what i'm like trying to implement more within uh, sick. within sick. my sound in a, in an electronic way so it's yeah. like implementing like the sound healing principles within electronic music yeah so yeah, yeah. you're like reaching a different audience because cool. obviously not everyone's like super spiritual and yeah, like yeah. wants to go around barefoot with you know yeah. when you started when you just said at the beginning of what you said was about the fact that you can go to places on your own and listen to it the first time that you walked when you were actually really high that's a spiritual awakening mm. that's an awakening mm. of the senses that we never normally in tune with yeah. You know, we go to these places and we do what we do and we never really get aligned with that. And and when suddenly when music, you allow music into you and it mm. changes you that way, it is an, it's, it's a complete spiritual awakening. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I did gong bath as we were talking before we started this last last weekend, actually. I was kind of sceptical about it. You know, I'm sceptical about it. 
bloody everything. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I was kind of like, I had to interview this girl for this mental health week thing that we're doing. And she came with her gong. We were up in the woods in, in Suffolk. And I thought she was just going to have like a little gong. It's a massive gong. And I stood in front of it and she started telling me about different frequencies and what she uses. I was crying within three minutes. It was so emotional. Wow. That the, the, it just, it was like a tsunami and it just mm. went through me. And I felt like jelly. I was speechless. I was like, we had to stop filming. I was like, I'm, I'm so blown away by this. You know, it's it's so incredible what you, you said about the frequencies and the healing powers of music. It's, just, it's mm. amazing. Wow. I need to give that a go. It sounds, that sounds Really do, insane. seriously. Yeah. After this, I'm off to a gong bar. Mm. <laughs> One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment. You can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I want to ask you guys about peer pressure Mm -hmm. because that is often the kind of thing that can get you, you know, you could be sober for years and it could take that one person who's like oh go on have a bit of this yeah. and it can completely like destroy everything and yeah. Harvey we'll start with you have you like en- encountered peer pressure and- no no I mean I think everyone that I'm like you know surrounded by everyone knows I'm sober mm, everyone true. everyone actually also understands that like there's no way that I'll ever drink again or, or well it's not there's no way that I'll ever drink again but if they offer me anything or try to make me drink it's just literally not happening Kind of, you know, when you're meeting new people and they'll be like, oh, do you want a drink? And you'll be like, oh, nah. They'll kind of be like, eh, why? Sort of thing. You know, it's still quite confusing for some people, but I don't feel any pressure at all. You know, there's certain times when people will buy shots and, you know, everyone gets a shot and I'm like, oh, shit, there's a spare, spare shot here if anyone wants mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? They'll be like, oh, go on, go on. But it's just like, again, I just, I feel really, I'm honestly just like super comfortable. I do not feel the need to like you know drink the, the shot or even just feel the pressure that, mm. that anyone may be putting on me I don't know just I'm really happy about that but yes yeah, it's, it's absolutely fine for me yeah that's great to yeah, hear. Yeah. Tamanti what about you so it's quite funny actually because uh, I had a party like a few years ago and I was in the smoking area and someone was 
pointing a key at me. And oh, I, I was like, oh, you found a key. And they were like <laughs> waving it at me. And I was like, oh, you, you, whose key is that? And I didn't actually register what was going on. And then I realised they were offering me drugs. And then I think after that day, they like a lot of people just thought, you know what, let's just skip you out. Yeah. So I think a lot of people know now that there's no point even offering me anything because I don't. With alcohol, it's a bit like what you were saying. Sometimes they're like, oh, go on, just have one, have one. So sometimes I do have an occasional drink, but mm. it's not really when I'm DJing. Then the next day I just feel like, I feel awful yeah. and my head just feels like so cloudy and then I just feel like I'm so unproductive so honestly it's yeah. so and it makes such a difference doesn't it yeah. you know like even a month off of alcohol because there, there was this guy that actually um kind of inspired me to become sober one of the people who's called Robert Harvey so mm. he was he was in a band called The Music if you know of The Music he was like the lead singer and uh, yeah, he was like, he was super crazy. You know, he was, a, he was an addict for mm. quite, a, maybe I think 10 years or something like that. And then he was in some hospital for like a long time after. And now he's 10 years sober. But he basically originally, when I wanted to become sober, he just said, see how you go like, you know, a week, even just a week mm. or like a month or two weeks off, see how you feel. And, and again, like I was just had so much more energy, just more general brain power. Mm. And mm. it's it's mad how much of a difference just a month off can take. And there's that massive part of me which I feel good for. You know, I don't feel guilty anymore about the my behaviour or my actions. And, yeah, on Sunday I, I'm always feeling fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Tony? I think it's the opposite way around now these days for me. People feel peer pressure from me not to drink around me. You know, I'm very open, as we as I said at the beginning, but, you know, nothing ever could tempt me back to that way of life. You know, I nearly died. I weighed seven stone. I had no teeth. I pulled all my teeth out on crystal meth. I was, I, all I ever thought about every day was dying. And that was, went on for three years, you know, and I got to the point where I was so ill and so far gone that what would I ever do? What if I got sober? What what would my life be like if Mm. I didn't do drugs? And it was only by a miracle of a God-given moment that changed my life that someone came in a room at the right time and said the one little sentence that changed my life and the, the pilot light went back on because all I thought about on a daily basis was my own funeral. And now, today, you know, my life, has, I've, I've gone so far and I've done so much work on myself. And, and through the work that I do on myself, I can, it enables me to help other people. Yeah. That, that, that's never been an option. I don't ever think, oh, my God. And I mean, I've had some real lows in recovery, <laughs> some real, real moments that no one should ever go through. And I never once thought, oh, I need a drink or I need a drug. That mm. will make this better. That would make this worse. Mm, yeah. Drink and drugs for me will make every situation worse. Yeah. And so it's never been an option in the sense of where I think, oh, God, I really fancy a drink today. I don't need a drink or a drug to fuck up my life. I'm really good at doing it myself. <laughs> and that's why I have to remember, you know, I just I could never be drawn back to that way of life because my life is too good. Yeah. I have everything. I have freedom today. I have self-respect. I can love and I can be loved. I never had any of that before. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was taking drink and drugs and abusing what I did, you know, I, it wasn't a walk in the park for me, my addiction. You know, I literally was homeless living on the streets. I used to sleep in the doorway of British Vogue, at Vogue House in Hanover Square, because they had a really good ashtray on the wall. And I knew it would always be good dog ends in there. And I used to sleep in that doorway. And then nine years later, I got made a contributing editor of British Vogue. 
through the fact that I no longer drank or drank drugs. That's recovery. Wow. You know, I used to listen to Mary J. Blige, No More Drama, every day. That was what I was going to be burnt mm-hmm. to at my funeral. I was gonna, that was the last song I was going to be cremated to No More Drama. I'd worked it all out. You know, I've worked for Mary J. Blige six, seven times now in recovery. You know, that's recovery. Mm-hmm. Wow. That stuff doesn't happen by chance. That happens for a reason. Mm. It's it's not coincidence that oh, you suddenly work for these people or you get given that job. It comes because it's meant to happen and I'm I'm not meant to be that person anymore. Yeah. I've never given that up. So so yeah. inspiring to hear really, that, honestly. Really, really inspiring to hear that. Yeah. I wanna to touch on like mental health as well because mm. you know, obviously we know that alcohol and drugs can just make you feel weird mm. <laughs> and make you feel not great on the Sunday but you know the ongoing effect of that is it can really screw you up and yeah make your mental health you know even more vulnerable and really affect people and in light of that like has it helped your mental health you you feel you're better off now by being sober yeah I definitely feel like when I do have a drink it's like spiral of downhill yeah so I sometimes do like stints of like six months where I don't touch anything and I just literally the mindset just like skyrockets and, it's, and then I would ha- have one night of drinking and the next day I'm like doom and gloom. So I've noticed massive like difference when I am clean. So I think like, yeah, it can have a massive, massive impact drinking and drugs because of the come downs as well. And then people were like, oh, yeah, I don't get come downs, but they'll get them three days later and then just think it's actually because they're not happy with their life. But it's actually, if you trace back, it's actually the drugs that you took on the weekend, but skipped a few days. So I think, like, for, like, especially our generation, we have, like, so many things, like, even social media can cause, like, mm-hmm. mental health. So it's like you add alcohol and drugs. Yeah, geez. It's like a concoction of, like despair yeah so I think there's a lot that we need to do as like future generation to like sort of help each other sort of find an alternative way for me mental health is like I never thought I had a problem with my mental health I remember my first psychiatric appointment when I wanted to go to rehab and I sat with psychiatrist and my partner was with me and he was like the the psychiatrist like have you ever self-harmed and I was like no why would I self-harm? You know, like, looked at him like he was mental. And he was like, and my partner went, you pulled all your teeth out with a screwdriver. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, do you not think that's self-harming? And I was like, no. I was kind of, you know, I justified the fact that I thought I had meth mouth and yeah. thought I had animals living in my mouth. There you have it, yeah. right? That, yeah. That's the mental health, Christ. you know. I literally, on a daily basis, tried to kill myself. You know, and today mental health for me isn't only about, you know, it's a balance, it's a recipe. You know, it's a bowl. You have to have, put in there your thinking, your diet, your welfare, your your the amount of exercise you do. It's yeah. all a, a really big recipe to make sure that you're on an even kill. If you do too much of one thing, whatever it is, it will unbalance your mental yeah. health. And, you know, I... I used to sit rocking backwards and forwards and think that that was normal. I would rock backwards and forwards hours. I would be in clubs and I would lock myself in the toilet for three hours and then come out and DJ, not look at the crowd, literally look at the floor because I couldn't engage with anyone. I could not look at anyone. 
that was kind of like the level that I spent my life. It was it was really, really awful. But today, you know, it's not about that. Today it's about sunshine and getting out of the house. And I don't wake up and think, oh, my God, you know, I ache from head to toe or I feel terrible today. Because on most days I don't feel like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you know, I, it's about the balance of what I eat and what I drink and what mm-hmm. I do to myself. And also it's about what circles I mix in. Mm. Yes. If I, because yes. you know, I, as as an addict, I can go out with a gaggle of gays, or I can hang out with a certain group of people, and I can be there, and they can be like really toxic, and I will be toxic within twenty minutes. I buy into it. I morph. I morph into my environment, and that's really unhealthy for me. Because mm. I walk home, and I I'll be at home that night, and I just think, why did you say that earlier? Why did you do that? Oh God! Mm. You get what I'm saying, and and it, for what for what reason? Because you buy into it and it's, you know, it's about knowing when to shut up these days. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. A really interesting point. Like, I think surrounding yourself with the right people in all areas of life is so important. But yeah, regarding, like, if you're going to go on a night out or if you don't want to drink one night, like, try and avoid being with that group who you know are going to be like, have this shot, have mm. this key. Yeah, right? you just don't go out with the biggest caners in London. Do you know what yes. I mean? Like, Good so advice. Oh, they all take crystal meth. I'm going to go out and party with them tonight. Yeah. Do you but know what I mean? You just... if, if all your friends, I'm not saying you know, but your best friends have to be meth yeah. heads, but like, if your friends love drugs, it is hard to not be swept up in what they're doing. Yeah, but can I just say one thing? If you're sober and all your friends go out and they're all going to take drugs... They're not your friends. Mm. They know what you do. There's boundaries. You have to have boundaries around everything. And if you're mixing with people that don't give a regard for what you do, oh, he doesn't drink, so that's his problem. You know what? Don't be with them. They're not Mm. really your friends. Mm. You know, find time to go to places with the people that care. You don't have to go out on that big bend with everyone. You're not going to miss out. They're the ones that are missing out. Jomo's a really good thing that the joy of missing out <laughs> seriously Jomo. don't have FOMO it's all about Jomo love the joy of missing out thinking <laughs> okay getting a phone call from them at midday and they're still out and so and so is missing and blah 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 can you help us <laughs> I used to go I this, listen I could go on for days about the trips that I go on with certain people I was in Hong Kong once and nine people and all of them were in different hotels ringing me going you need to come and get us like we don't know where we are and I literally was like going around because I was soap one and watching them do walking through hotel lobbies like three of the most important supermodel women in the world walking through a hotel lobby staggering with one shoes on and like (laughs) and me just standing and laughing because yeah, you know, that I didn't miss out on that. I would never lie there thinking, oh everyone's having fun and I'm not. Because it doesn't work that way. Walking my dog is more fun than going out with a bunch of people that you don't want to be with. That's (laughs) it. I want to know what you guys think on the way drug culture and alcohol is um, like perceived in the media, especially in, in within electronic music, big, big publications. You know, they'll cover news stories or cover things like the top 10 most iconic pills or viral videos of people like really fucked up on drugs. And, you know, they do well. But I've always found it really interesting when I'm like, obviously, we know drugs are a thing in our culture, but I'm always kind of like, it sounds like you're endorsing this. So I yeah, just wanted yeah. to know what you guys think of interesting when that. you see yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. I mean, it's seen as like a fun thing, isn't it? You know, drug culture is, especially in the UK, it's huge. Like, it's a huge thing. Like, you know, everywhere, especially up north. I'm not sure what it's like as much down here. I mean, I know it's still 
at large, but especially in places like Manchester. And it's in London's rife. rife. It's yeah. worse, yeah, yeah, especially yeah, within yeah, the gay yeah. community right yeah. now. There's an epidemic going on of really? crystal meth. It's oh, destroying crystal so meth. many people's lives. Jeez, so many man. people's lives. And it's not being listed because mm. no one's being arrested for it. And it's, you know, there are no stats in that level because it's not a street drug. Yeah. So you know these things go under the radar, you know, and yeah, yeah. and it's destroying so many people. I mean, yeah, it's 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 interesting, isn't it? Because I feel like it's just, you know, getting back to what you were saying, Jag. There's been a lot of deaths, and especially within young people. Mm-hmm. You know, all the stuff that happened at Fabric when the young person yeah, died, bless yeah. them. And it, like it's serious, you know. People can die off from taking drugs, and even if you don't die, it can still ruin your life. You know, it's all of these obvious things. And there's a fun, there's there's obviously clearly a fun and a funny aspect of it, but I don't know. I think it's just about yeah, just responsibility and places like uh, I think is it Amsterdam or Germany where they like test the drugs or you know to see if it's safe yes, and yeah, all they these sort of things. They do that here at festivals. Do, do yeah. they do that? Yeah. They do that here. Do they yeah. do that really since yeah. when? They've been doing it for like the last, last few years. Yeah, yeah at like Warehouse was, Project. Yeah, Warehouse Project. Yeah, they do it and when they do it they, in Glastonbury. Okay. You can go and get your drugs tested. Yeah. Yeah, so they've been doing it for so, years, yeah. So, so that is crazy. I, d- I never even knew mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they do it a, like a, quite a lot of like um, a Brighton Pride, they do it as well. They have a really? tent that you can go in wow. and you can take... It's like also, it's like an amnesty. You're not going to get busted. You can go and the, the police will tell you what you're taking. Yeah. Wow. Because it, it cuts down the, 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 the accidents. It cuts down... Yeah. yeah. The, 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 you know, take it regardless. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I mean, for me, it's like, you know, it says it all. Six million people watch my yeah. mixmag.com on my, on my drug life, you know. And Simon Dunmore at that defected, he, he said to me, because I had the most watched live stream of 2020 with Mixmag, you yeah, one yeah, we yeah, did, yeah, right? Yeah, that was great. And it was the most viewed live stream of the year. And I looked like I looked like Barney the dinosaur in it. I was wearing a pink t shirt. I hate it. And of course, it had to be the most live stream, like most viewed. And Simon said, oh, it's because people are fascinated by the drugs. And he's got a point. People are fascinated, you know. For me, sometimes when I DJ, I, my and I get really into the music. My muscle memory in my face starts to gurn. I, I gurn because the neuro paths reopen that associate what I do for with my job. So also wow. straight away, people will the comments will be like, "He's off his nut." He's off. He's, they want you to be off your nut. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. want yeah. you to be right. that way because it makes them feel better. Nothing to do with the fact that I had. A really, really bad life with my drug taking and the neuropop. My neuro, my nerves are shot mm. in my brain. You know, I, they don't need to know that. But like, what they want to know is, you know, it's not, so. But people like Mixmag, they leave those comments on there, and I always say to them to remove those comments. They don't need to be on there. Mm. But you know what? People and magazines and and stuff they love to glorify everything and make it like, oh, look, we're doing our part. But pe- most of these magazines and and especially with media, they only jump on it when it's something bad has happened. Mm. When it's too late, when someone's died or someone else has been done or they've been seen to care. You know what? They don't care because they're doing it themselves. When people are pointing a finger, there's always four pointing back at them. Yeah. Mm. And we know that. So, you know, it's about us and it's about you and it's about everyone that's listening to this to take care of yourselves because no one else is going to do it for you. Yeah. Another thing, like, I sort of felt, in my journey was there needs to be a bit more like transparent and open like education on how to take drugs because one of the reasons I actually 
I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to because it might help a few people. But when I was 17, I went to Camden and got a box of mushrooms because I thought they were, well, they were legal at the time. Mm, yeah. And I had no clue. I was just with my two mates and we just bought two boxes and ate the whole thing. God. So we ate the whole thing and I had no idea what hallucinating was. Like I knew oh, it meant geez. you saw things, but I didn't really understand what like it really yeah. was. So we just ate these two boxes of mushrooms and then they were like, you coming with us? And I was like, oh no, I've got to go meet my mum. And then literally it was like the worst night of my life mm-hmm. and I basically had no idea what was happening to me and I was like freaking out and I was like in trauma for 10 years because of one wow. night so that's what, what another reason why oh I'm really like not into doing like drugs and that uh-huh. much alcohol wow. because then I had to basically go through this whole experience of like actually going to revisit that that night to undo the trauma because of what I saw in that experience. I never spoke about because I was so ashamed and embarrassed and I was, like, traumatised. I didn't really understand what had actually happened. And then I basically, like, shut down and, like, kept it to myself for, like, years and years and years. So that was because I wasn't educated. My friends didn't even, yeah. my friends didn't even know how yeah, much yeah. you're supposed yeah. to take. People we, don't. We were just told at school, don't do this because you're going to go to jail. That was it. It wasn't like, if you're going to do this, take this much or be with people that know what they're doing. Or But the thing is, no one ever no one ever is going to say, okay, you could only do this much because they always want more. Yeah. And people always like encourage you to do more and buy more because they want to do more. So there's yeah. never going to be like, okay, you've had enough now. It's time for you to go. That's not going to happen. Because people but, yeah. on that, I get what you're saying about the education. I think more so now than ever with the drugs, that, because the drugs that people are taking no longer are no longer organic. Yeah. It's all chemicals on the gay scene, you know, in that sense, of, which is crossed over now with chemsex and and the fact that people are using crystal meth and using G in such a vigorous and hard way. Mm. The side effects of crystal meth from smoking crystal meth for like a day or two days, the psychosis is so bad that people think that people are following them. There's people tapping their phones. Because what happens is the brain detaches from certain factors of the brain. So what you see, you think is happening. And I can have conversations with these young kids who are like 18, 19, and they will tell you that they've been cloned, that there's three of them. This is, this is a true story. One boy that I was looking after, he'd, like, he'd been cloned, but there's four of him. They were all put into prostitution. They all got, all got the same bank account. And you, like, you, got, you sit there and you go, listen, you don't understand this isn't real. But they will tell you it's real. Mm. And it takes about... 90 days for the brain to actually reconnect when you take when you smoke that amount of crystal meth or you slam that amount of crystal meth because that's what's happening people are no longer it's no longer recreation they're opening veins mm. and that's where the education needs to come in because yeah. this isn't this aren't we're not talking about like junkies on the street we're talking about businessmen we're talking about doctors nurses professional mouths mm. and mm. and stuff and you know the sad thing about it is when you're young and you move to london and you suddenly that have this newfound sexual identity. That's what you think of gay community and that community that you're falling into is what's expected of you. So, you know, the, the, this next generation that are coming up are like coming to London or going to wherever else in around the country and thinking, okay, this is what gay culture is about. This is what LGBTQI plus mm. culture is about. And they fall into that by going to, oh, they're having a chill out party. We're going to go there. And I, I meet so many people that go, they don't understand what the word chill out meant. 
What is chill out? A chill out is now where people go and it's, it becomes a sex party. They're slamming, they're doing all of the stuff that they, they do. And, and they're there for days, you know. And people go from on that circuit from house to house to house. Wow. And, and, you know, it's a really sad thing. But, you know, it's going on. Mm. It's going on. No one's identifying it because, you know, it puts a hole in their, in their, in their world and no one wants to talk about it. So that. where's this coming from, this, like, this new pressure to take lots of drugs like meth and stuff in the gay scene where is this it's just coming from within our community mm. it's, it, it, it's, we've okayed it is it a lockdown know? thing or is it private no 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 no. I mean listen I'm talking about when the, that was the drug that took me to my knees for 15 years ago when right. it just first came to London and it's progressively from that point onwards got worse. I thought it was just an American thing. No, I've never, listen. Ever heard of Christian worse, being it's the worst epidemic in, in, in England right now. I've never heard of, of this. I've never had this conversation mm, yeah, with someone crazy. until now. Exactly, because you know what? I, I'm really open and I'll talk about those yeah. conversations. You know, the most of, uh, most of my, my uh, peer group and, and other peer groups and, and within that community will know two or three of their friends that are doing that. Yeah. So how, what do you think is one of the steps we can take to, you know, help these people and stop them? Well, you know, it's like anything. You can't help anyone unless they want help. Mm, yeah. You know, you come across as preaching. We come across yeah. as like, okay, listen, you shouldn't be doing that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You have to wait for someone to come to you with that problem. And as I said to both of you guys, that the fact that you said that and vocalised that you had a problem at such an early age, is it's, mm. it's such... A remarkable thing. Yeah, it's such a remarkable thing, and I think you know that you both should be very proud of yourselves in that sense. I think that the fact that you didn't leave it till forty-one, like me, to change your life mm. when you had no choice. I had no choice. I was either going to die or I, I, I took the other route. And thank God I took the other route. And I just think that the more open and honest that you you two are, and everyone else that does what we do, that chooses not to drink. You're going to help other people. Yeah. The more you vocalise that and the more you say, this works for me, mm. look at me. And we lead by example. That's how it works. Mm. We don't lead by preaching. We don't, you know, we're never going to, we can't change the world. You know, we don't have magic powers, but what we can do is lead by example. People see you having a really amazing time like they do you dancing on your own in a nightclub. Yeah. Right? That's leading by example. Yeah. You know, and it's the same with you when you're out doing what you do, producing music and being in a studio, being in an environment where people know you don't drink. That's leading by example. Mm. People think, oh, my God, he looks like he's having the best time. I want some of that. Mm. And you know what? It's quite simple. You can have some of this. Just don't pick up a drink or a drug. Yeah, yeah really, really great stuff there. And I suppose as we're sort of rounding up, what do you think the industry can be doing to help address these issues? All these conversations we've spoken about, you know, drugs and drink just being rife everywhere, causing, you know, people to become addicts and people yeah. who can really ruin people's lives. Tamanti, what do you think? If What do you think we can do? <laughs> well, obviously, firstly, by having these conversations, which you're doing, so grateful for that. Yeah, no, uh, thank um, you. Thank you, all of you. I wish you were around a lot a lot earlier <laughs> in, in my life. So, <laughs> so that that's a start. And also, I think... Showing people that you don't actually, you know, I know you guys are like specifically like completely sober, but I think that might scare a lot of people. Mm. So also having yeah, like seeing people that are maybe like what I am taking like baby steps and seeing how you feel and then just trying it out. Mm. And obviously like 
you can't be what you can't see. Mm. So obviously if if young people can see there's more artists like jumping on this path, they can get inspired and think, actually, maybe I can give it a go. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And I just think, you know, we can't rely on nightclubs. They're not going to make their money out of people not drinking, not taking Mm. drugs. That's That's not going to happen. The people that run those clubs... I've got no interest in anyone that doesn't drink or take drugs because that's not bringing money into. We just come through a pandemic. They need as much money they can get. So, you know, it starts with us. It starts with you. It starts with all of us. You know, it's about keeping it in the day. Don't think, give yourself, oh, I'm going to not drink for a month. I'm not going to drink today. And then you go to bed and the next day, I'm going to do the same. I'm not going to drink today. I felt really good yesterday about myself. And, you know, before you know it, a month's under your belt. Six months, you know, that's how it works. I, I keep it in the day. And as I say, I'm nearly 15 years and I've kept it in the day. And, and the miracles that happen in my life, because I don't do that stuff anymore. And that's how it works. And I, I just think we can't rely on anybody else to do this apart from ourselves. Yeah, it's very true. Man. And if you've got a problem, speak up and, you know, open your mouth and you get fed. It's as simple as that. Yeah, it's just and, about being honest with yourself about it, you know. Totally. And it's, you know, it's not always about being fully fully sober just being no. able to have the self-control little changes yeah exactly man just mm. as and i feel like you know it coincides so much with uh the whole mental health conversation mm. being that as long as you feel okay in your head that's fine you know what i'm saying but if for you, some people it's different you know if you know you've got a problem with scotch right or you've got a, every time you drink whiskey you get violent don't drink whiskey yeah. Jeez, but if yeah. you want a cocktail you know there's so many amazing companies there's one called liars they do absinthe they do absinthe they do non-alcoholic absinthe they do non-alcoholic <laughs> bourbon they do non-alcoholic you can have aperol spritz no alcohol in it, it will taste exactly the same mm. Because that, that, that's how far we've come. Mm. It's not about sitting in the corner drinking, you know, lemonade and, and orange juice anymore. Yeah. You can replace these things and it's all about little changes. So, you know, okay, I'm going to have that, but I'm going to replace that with that tonight. And honestly, I spent all, now I'm not a big fan of non-alcoholic beers and stuff like that. For me, I didn't drink beer for the taste. I drank beer for one reason and one reason only. And it was the same with Jack Daniels. Now, I spent all last weekend drinking non-alcoholic Prosecco. It was just so nice being in an environment. We went away, like there was 12 of us, and we went away to the Wilderness Project and everyone was drinking apart from me, my partner and one other person. And we were just drinking non-alcoholic Prosecco. It's only three ninety nine, isn't it? It was amazing. You, you know, it was just like the <laughs> fact that you know, it's those little changes. Mm. Those little changes. I got excited about drinking it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I get high off Coca Cola these days, you know, but I, will, but I will drink 14 cans of it. Do you know what I mean? So I don't do sugar anymore. I've cut all of that out because that yeah. changes the way I feel as mm. well. Little things like that just drive me insane. Oh. Yeah. Amazing guys. Some really great ideas there. I feel like I've learned so much from talking to all of you. I have one final question and I ask everyone this at the end of the podcast. The podcast, if you can see on our mic maths, is called Utopia Talks. It's all about trying to get to Utopia, the perfect place where everyone is equal, mm. happy. And it's just, it's great there, honestly. It's great. But I want to ask each of you, what is your Utopia and how do we get there? Just happiness, honestly. I mean, for me, my best situation would probably be just to be secure in my career because I feel like that's probably you know someone especially my age it's a big worry is my career going to be okay especially doing music mm-hmm. but yeah I just think as long as like my friends are good everyone's happy around me I'm making my family proud like I'm 
sober, I'm chilling, I'm eating good food, I'm getting exercise. That's kind of all, all, all you need, really. I share like a similar kind of yeah, yeah. view. Another one for me is like just to be seen in the world as mm. me. Like it's just like it's crazy to be like non-binary and like it's mm-hmm. still very not much seen. So yeah. I think like to be seen in the world as a non-binary individual would be like amazing for me. Yeah. I'm still learning a lot and like learning to navigate. So there's a lot of work that I'm still doing with myself on that but just basically similar to what you said like happiness peace and like safety is, so a, is a big one yeah and for everyone else to feel the same because i think like safety is like one of the key aspects to feel happiness and yeah. to be able to do what you what you need to do and like for sure contribute mm-hmm. to like society and yeah like make the world a better place mm-hmm. yeah i think that's cute that's me love that <laughs> And Tony? Mine. I, I have it. I have Utopia. I, like waking up with my dog next to me at 2am in the morning on the bed and I look at her and I just think life doesn't get better than this. <sighs> That's it. It's just really simple stuff. Walking down the street and, you know, I, I feel secure within my career because I've worked hard at it and I, I, I don't ever wake up and think, oh my God, it's over for you or any of that stuff because life gets better and better when you're not in self. And, and when, when I'm living a selfless life in the sense of I'm doing service for other people, that's utopia. That, it yeah. doesn't get better than that. Mm. Being of service, picking up the phone to someone and just saying, you know what, come around and let me talk to you and let me help you. That's what it's about today, you know. Don't get me wrong, I'm no saint or any of that rubbish. Do you get what I mean? For me, it's it really is when I'm in a selfless place, that's utopia. That's what I've strived for, my love. And therefore, just being able to be loved and to and to love and accept love mm. is utopia. That is gorgeous. What about you, Jay? Oh me. Yeah, wow. You. You I don't get, get I don't it. I don't answer the question. Um I don't know. I think for me my utopia is literally trying to get there by doing things like this podcast and you know me I love a good conversation mm, and like do. trying to put you the do. worlds to right and that's literally what this is and I live for it and Amazing. I'm all about seeing change and making it and yeah I think this is a re- this has been such a great episode guys thank so you. thank you, thank you so much thank I've you. loved it thank you it's been lovely to hear your, you guys stories yeah. and, and yeah. meet you both you know it's not often I get the opportunity to meet other people that are sober or mm. anything like that so yeah it's, it's been really cool just try a 12 step program you'll meet loads of people that are sober <laughs> <laughs> All day long, every day. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you, guys. Thank Thank you. Huge thank you to Tony, to Manti and Harvey for being so incredibly open with their stories. If you're struggling with addiction, you can find out more information on the NHS website or on the Mind Charity website. Hopefully in the future, the industry will be more supportive of sobriety and safe partying. And thanks to Katie Baxter for producing this episode. And you can get in touch with me at Jaguar Worldwide on socials. I will see you next Wednesday. Utopia Talks is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.